you know, once COVID hit, it moved from being, oh, this is a cool idea to this is this feels essential. And and we got dozens, maybe hundreds of notes from our clients saying, hey, thank you. We, we couldn't have navigated this without you or navigated as well without you. That means so much. And for us to be trusted, you know, a trusted partner on this journey during this incredibly difficult time. I mean, that's what powers us. We 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 feel a deep, you know, kind of humbling and a deep respect uh, for that. And we just appreciate getting to work with such fantastic entrepreneurs. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. It's Roger. You know, there's so much restaurant technology out there, and seemingly new tech comes out every day. And it's really hard as an owner or a manager or operator to really figure out what's really important. What do I really need? What are the features and the benefits? And most importantly, how is this tech going to serve my guest, the customer, to provide not only a memorable, enjoyable experience, but also a safe and efficient one as well? That's the most important thing. So we're going to cover all those bases. My guest this week is Mr. Brendan Sweeney. He is the co-founder and CEO of a platform called Pop Menu, and he'll be telling us all about what's important and why you should have it and what it'll do to the end result, your great guest experience. Before we get into the episode, we have a listener question. Bob called in and he wanted to know how to classify corkage fees. You know, sometimes we allow people to bring in wine, um, bottles of their own wine into the restaurant and we charge a cork fee. Well, he's just starting to do this and he wanted to know how to set it up in his accounting software. So it really doesn't matter what software you use, whether it's QuickBooks or whatnot. It's simply an income or a sales category and just call it corkage fee. And it is added to your beverage sales, of course, and even more specifically, wine sales, because it's related to wine. It's that simple. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you have a listener question, all you have to do is go to the show notes for this episode at our website podcast page at restaurantrockstars.com. And about halfway down the show notes, you'll see Ask Us Anything. And then all you simply do is press the button, record your message, and I'll get back to you with an answer. That simple. Look forward to your questions. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Rockstars, let me tell you about Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed for restaurateurs, by restaurateurs. Effective labor management is more important than ever to maximize profit and success, especially now as restaurants begin to reopen and expand their teams. Trusted by over half a million restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to simplify scheduling, easily manage time and attendance, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll systems you already use and trust, turning your team into a competitive advantage to your business. Right now, Restaurant Rockstar's listeners can get three months absolutely free. Get started now at sevenshifts.com forward slash restaurant rockstars. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com forward slash restaurant rockstars to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Now on with the episode. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, engaging topics that help restaurants build their brands, rock their profits, deliver amazing guest service experiences. And that is certainly the case with today's guest. With me, co-founder and CEO of Pop Menu, and that is a restaurant tool that turns more first-time guests into regulars. There's a lot of ins and outs to this platform. We're going to get into all of that. But welcome to the show, Brendan. I'm glad to have you here. 
Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Roger. Pleasure to, to meet up with you and looking forward to the chat. Absolutely. So before I begin, you know, I don't, you know, everyone has a vocation and everyone, you know, has a career path and a trajectory and we're going to get into all that, but let's talk about what lights you up? What are your passions in life? And when you're not working and when you're not, you know, brainstorming new visions for the future, what do you like to do? Yeah. I mean, it's going to come as no surprise, but man, I love food and I love restaurants. I think part of that's because when I was a kid, we didn't really go out to restaurants, you know, like having a, a bucket of fried chicken was kind of a big night out for us. And so as I got older and I got more of the means to, to, to go out and enjoy hospitality, I just, I, I, I've, I've really, I dove in from the start and I've only gotten more and more enthusiastic about it. Um, so I do, I, even though it's, even though it's my job, I mean, I think about restaurants a lot. I think about restaurateurs a lot. Um, strangely enough, I, I do love kind of startup world entrepreneurs. Uh, I say strangely enough because I did not start off as a business person. I made fun of business people. You know, I thought it was really uptight and, and just so money focused and sad. But as time has gone on, I've seen, I started off as a musician. As time has gone on, I've seen, wow, it's actually really a creative endeavor, you know, and, and starting this company has reinforced that for me, that it is like starting a band. It is like building up that kind of a business. So, so I'm, I mean, restaurants, yeah, I'm super passionate about them. And um, it's awesome that I get to work on helping them every day. Are you like me? Well, you know, the pandemic threw a whole wrench in everything and it changed the way we dine out and all that kind of stuff. And all that's coming back and demand is huge. And, and that's a good thing for your business and for the business and the industry as a whole. But, you know, being so into restaurants and knowing the ins and outs of restaurants and being a, an aficionado of certain places. And I've been in the business for 23 years and I co-founded numerous concepts and ran, you know, operated them. Um, of course, for oh, two decades. But when I went out, and and when I still go out, I have such a passion for guest service, you know, and and yeah. that whole thing. And and I'm obsessed with profits and I, and I, and the inner workings of a restaurant. I tend to critique an operation from the inside out and the outside in. From walking in the front door, I notice things. Are you like that too, or, or do you just settle in and enjoy the experience? Are you like looking at every little detail, saying, "Well, if I own this place, I would do this. I would do that." What do you like? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I mean, I think I flip modes. You know, sometimes I'm in pure enjoyment mode. Maybe it's it's directly correlated with how much I'm spending. But um, I, I I will have times when I go in and just you know just completely immerse myself in the experience. There are other times where I'm like, especially in 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 the return to on-site dining, on-prem dining, um, since the, the the major kind of COVID hit from last year, I do find myself saying. For instance, I, I actually just shared this story with our group last week. My wife and I went to Miami in February. Been a long winter, you know, and and getting to sit outside and go on site to a restaurant was super exciting. Food was awesome. Beer was awesome. Service was all over the place. And and you know, we we knew there was a labor shortage at the time. We knew people were kind of getting their their feet under them on 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 prem again, but. They're telling my wife, see, this is why I do it. This is why, this is why we're so focused on it. We would have spent three times as much, you know, and enjoyed it three times as much if like several steps in the hospitality process were just a little bit tighter. So I think it depends, but definitely when I go to like a really well-oiled hospitality experience, I just enjoy it. And you know it too. You know, thanks for touching yeah. on that because again, 
gosh, pre-pandemic. I mean, I traveled the country quite a bit. I, you know, get hired for speaking engagements and I'm also a coach and a consultant and that sort of thing. And I obviously was dining out quite frequently in a numerous variety of cities. And it really didn't matter what city I was in. And I still believe that nine times out of 10, based on lack of training and just hiring people and throwing them out there, that you get an average experience, not an extraordinary experience. And and in my book, an extraordinary experience really comes from training your staff so well in product, menu, and restaurant knowledge that they just automatically and genuinely create conversations and interactions with customers that builds repeat business. That's the personal touch. And then, you know, suggestive selling, of course, is a big part of that. Like you said, I would have spent three times as much. So many thousands of dollars are left on the table in restaurants, you know, every single day, depending on how big the operation is, simply because that hospitality training piece is missing and it's kind of all encompassing. So you can tell, I mean, I was really passionate about building a staff and a team. And you also mentioned the labor shortage. And now operators recognize that fact, but now they're just struggling to stay open and not cut open hours because we don't have enough staff to serve this crazy demand that restaurants have now because customers are all coming back. So it's kind of a perfect storm of pluses and minuses. And yeah, it's what a challenge that is. Let me ask you, Brendan, are you still a musician? You still playing in a band too? Cause that's, that's pretty cool. No, no, I, I I'll play it like family barbecues, you know, easier crowds, people that don't, you know, throw stuff at you when you suck. And so I still yeah. play all my kids play. And so I, I do jam with them, you know, from time to time, but yeah, lately, not as much time as, as I would like. Were you a guitar player or a drummer? Yeah. Guitar. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm really in the classic just rock for myself, it. <laughs> you know, that, that, that dates me, you know, when, when I'm into like early Rolling Stones and who and, and British invasion stuff. And, you know, I've got eclectic musical taste, but that's really my go-to. Um, yeah. I love it. I love it. You know, I'm uh, not to get off track here, but uh, I saw a band that I, I hadn't had this good a time in so long. Um, two weeks ago, there was a Beatles sort of a tribute band and they were so authentic. And unlike other tribute bands, they didn't go through the different generations and, and evolutions that the Beatles did. This was like the early touring years when they were wearing the black suits and the Beatle boots. And the music they played was so on cue. They had the vintage, the exact same guitars that Lennon and McCartney played, the old you know, amplifiers. And right down to the you know, the onstage presence and cheeky personalities when they weren't playing, they had it dialed. Like they studied the Beatles for years and now that's their stage show. So I had such a good time. I'm going to see him again this Saturday night. Yeah, that's awesome. We're like yeah. in the golden era of tribute bands. Um, some mm -hmm. really good friends of mine here in Atlanta are in a, a Fleetwood Mac tribute band called Rumors. They're, oh, they're I like incredible. them too. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you know Yacht Rock Review. But but they uh, they were clients of ours. They had a restaurant in Atlanta. Unfortunately, it, it didn't didn't quite make it through COVID. Um, but they're huge touring touring all over, playing you know old seventies yeah. easy listening. So I love all that stuff too. Cool. And not to keep us off track, but just a quick yeah, please. Yep. How business is is you know way different, more creative than I thought. Two of our investors are the Chainsmokers. I mean, it's a VC backed by the Chainsmokers, who top DJs in the world. And we actually got to just a few weeks ago do a sales incentive trip where, you know, three of our our top performers for a certain period of time got to come to Vegas with us, hang out with the Chainsmokers, be a part of one of their shows and then hang out with them after. And it was like, awesome. Yeah, 
business can be a little rock and roll sometimes. That was fine. You know, I, I absolutely believe that to be true. I mean, this is a really serious business with a thousand moving parts and details and keeping all the balls in the air, but you got to be light every once in a while. You got to step away from your operation and keep it fresh and come back re-energized. And that's kind of my you know, my, my sort of mantra for the future for operators, it's like, okay, you've, you've been through hell and back and now, you know, things are getting better. If you've lasted this far, terrific, keep it going, rediscover the passion that originally got you into this business in the first place. And whatever your other outlet is, you got to find that balance in life. So I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk about your backstory. Um, sure. Brendan, everyone's got sort of a hospitality backstory on this show, and sometimes it starts young and sometimes it starts later in life. But I'd like to know where it began for you and literally how it ultimately evolved to co-found this company called Pop Menu. Yeah, awesome. Um, it's funny because uh, when you we've, we've gone through several fundraising rounds in the past few years, when you're talking to investors you know, in Silicon Valley and wherever, they always want to hear that you lived a problem before you solved it. and 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 so I actually, I mean, I did, I bust tables in a Chinese restaurant when I was 13 under the table so I could buy a guitar. Then I bust tables in a Mexican restaurant later, but that was the extent of my restaurant experience. And so I would struggle to tell VCs. I mean, the truth is we've been successful because we came with an outsider perspective. We came with a lot of ignorance about the industry and that allowed us to focus in and say, hey, this thing is possible, you know? Um, but it's funny as I rewound over time, over many, many you know, like unsuccessful pitches to investors, I realized I was building restaurant websites 20 years ago. And, and so I, I had a, um, I've worked in internet product for 25 years. And, and for a good stretch of that, I actually ran a consultancy on the side, which everyone does now. It was a little different back then. You kind of kept it a secret. But I built small business websites, all kinds, doctors' offices, uh, landscaping companies, restaurants. And so one of the epiphany moments for me of the past couple of years was, wow, there are still many, many restaurants who are kind of accessing a digital platform the way I was delivering it 20 years ago. And in fact, some of the, some of the platforms they have now are 20 years old. And so I, I guess, you know, all, all that to say, the thing that really set this off is being an internet product person, you, you tend to evaluate everything you run into digitally and say, couldn't that be better? Well, what do you run into the most when you go searching through restaurants, comparing restaurants? You run into PDF menus, text menus. And so the, the earliest nugget about seven years ago, the idea for this came from, okay, why are we still doing this PDF thing? Like it's just kind of hung around there and it's not a super clever observation. It's, it's really, really obvious. But our thought was, hey, this, this text representation of such a sensual business, you know, where where especially for independent full service restaurants, how are you competing? It's by your creativity of your offering, the, the quality of your ingredients, your plating, all of that does not come through on text. And so the first idea was, what if we replace the text menu with something dynamic and visual that, that really provides all of the decision criteria people use to make a dining decision today? Photos, reviews, ratings, social validation. Like, why does that all have to be off on a third-party platform? Why can't that be in the restaurant website under their control? And so we really started with, with that idea and, and we built it in about six to eight weeks. We put it on three restaurant websites and we've just iterated and learned and, and kept digging in from there. 
That's excellent. That is a great story. And, and, you know, that's, that's the brainchild, right? That is the recognizing a need and figuring out how to fill it and having the passion that really drives the vision. I, I love that. That's great. So as we emerge from the pandemic, we talked a little bit about this and if you survived, fantastic. So what's most important to serve the guest? Because the guest is the foundation of any successful restaurant. So how do we emerge from the pandemic and build a stronger restaurant business? What's most important with the guest as the center focus? I mean, providing great hospitality, right? And and I mean, I feel like we've been kind of prisoners of the moment for the last year plus when everything has been off-prem and, yeah. and people forget what restaurants really are. Restaurants are an experience. And and the truth is, even before COVID, you know, like everyone has said, I mean, COVID's just accelerated a lot of trends that were already happening. I mean, the restaurant world was so complex already, and it's only gotten more and more and more complex. Throw in a massive labor shortage, where now we're back to pre-pandemic levels of revenue, but we're missing almost two million heads. You know, that we're helping serve that before that that's an incredible disparity. Totally. And so, I, I for me, how do you? affect great hospitality experiences in such complexity? How do you simplify your world so that you can focus on what you do best? I just don't know. And especially in the face of a labor shortage, I don't know any way other than technology. And so I think the good news is that investors have finally woken up to this understanding that this massive, you know, massive, massive vertical that has been traditionally technology laggard for very good reason. They're the busiest people in the world and they're busy cooking and serving you know, customers versus trying to learn tools. It's time now where the whole industry is replatforming. It's a once in a generation digital replatforming of an entire space. That means capital's coming in. That means companies like us can invest in building great tools. And so I think what you're seeing now is the very early stages of tooling getting a lot better for restaurants and then having a lot more options where there were none just a few years ago. And those things done at their best will simplify the world for restaurants will reduce the complexity, will make it so they can stay in front of potential customers, keep re-engaging existing customers, but not have to spend a ton of time and a ton of money on it. For me, all of that, like removing that complexity is what will allow restaurants to, again, step forward and, and deliver great hospitality, which is why they got in the business in the first place. Hallelujah to that. Wow. <laughs> you know, because technology can be intimidating to a lot of operators out there. and. Yeah. New technology seemingly comes out every single day, and it's kind of a, a sea of what's most important and what yeah. should I look at and what shouldn't I? And some restaurants are really tech savvy, and they've adopted all the best platforms and all that kind of stuff. And you can tell in a really dialed operation, as you mentioned, yeah. and then there's a lot of operators that are kind of flying by the seat of their pants, and it's like they're tied to their restaurants and they can't, you know, they're missing their kids' college graduations because they don't have systems in place. And here's technology that can literally improve their world, improve their balance, give them an exit strategy perhaps in the future. So with that in mind, what do you think in terms of technology is absolutely mission critical? And how do you simplify that process so that I really don't have to overthink this? There's not a huge learning curve to this. It's like, I get the idea. I think I need it. I'm going to give it a try, but I don't want it to overwhelm me where I say, oh my God, why did yeah. I make that decision? What, yeah. What's mission critical? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what totally. most operators think about. Uh, I'm going to start with the second part of that question first. That is, how does it get simplified? I mean, the truth is companies like us, you know, tech companies have failed restaurants forever. And it's a kind of a vicious circle because 
when you make software for small business, but particularly for restaurants, the numbers don't look good compared to something like a Slack or a Monday.com or these enterprise software. So investors see it. So, wow, those numbers are gross. I don't want to invest as much or, you know, I'm, it's gonna, I'm not going to invest at all. And so then the companies looking to build technology have less resource to do it. And, and, and then it's a, just a vicious circle. For, for me, the simplicity comes when technologists like us sit with restaurants over and over and over and over, day after day after day after day. It's not about hearing what do you want. It's about seeing your world, seeing your points of struggle, and figuring out the ways that, that technology can actually be inserted and can be helpful and not intimidating. And so I just think we're in a point now where, where technology companies like us are sophisticated enough. I mean, we talk to minimum half dozen custom clients every single day. We run them through prototypes. We run them through challenges. We run them through interviews every single day, every single day. And that's the way that we figure out, okay, well, this is why this won't work in this world. They're too busy for this. You mentioned staff training. Like, if the technology is great, you shouldn't have to train the staff that hard. You don't have to train, you know, you don't have to train millennials or Gen Z on how to use any social media. Well, everything should be that easy. Mm-hmm. Right. Agreed. And so I think you yeah. simplify it by companies like us being able to dig in. Luckily, now investors recognize the big opportunity. We have more capital to come and figure it out. I think all of that makes a virtuous circle. You know, that ends up giving them tools that are like, man, this is just simple. And now I don't have to, you know, spend all this time. I don't have to train all my staff. I don't have to worry. This isn't this. All so right. We're sim- so we're simplifying it. So, so, so what's essential? I mean, it's different for every operation, right? One of, one of my big things with our team is, hey, technology has to be flexible to work in restaurants because some restaurants want to be super high tech and some want to be super high touch. You know, some don't want servers at all. Some want no screen in between, you know, anyone at the restaurant and the customer. Awesome. It has to work in every scenario. And then the guests also want to interact with technology in different ways. Some don't want to at all. Some want to just do all the ordering and closing the bill on their own. You have to kind of serve both. But the truth is, I mean, we have thousands of restaurants on our platform. We're lucky enough to, you know, partner with thousands of great restaurants and learn from them every day. And and really, they all have different challenges. And so for me, all we're building is this toolbox, you know, that's, it's one bill, it's, it's like one price, it's one support contact, it's one login, and you can pull from that toolbox, whatever you need. You might be a restaurant that doesn't need additional, you know, guest flow. You might be a restaurant that has super high covers and you don't have to worry about getting more out of each guest that comes. Um, you might be a restaurant that has challenges um, turning tables efficiently, you know, and so I think, all of these guest facing challenges, I think what you have to do, what's essential is that there's a great customer experience throughout. And then it's identifying where are the struggle points for your operation and delivering that great guest experience might be on-prem, might be off-prem. I just think you have to really, you have to have every solution available and you have to kind of apply it where it's most needed. And then you'll have this consistent customer experience, which is one of the things that brings people back over and over and over is like, I know that that's going to be you know, a great, simple experience. It's not going to be trouble for me to get on the wait list. It's not going to be trouble for me to get a table. It's not going to be trouble for me to, to pay the bill. So long answer to a short question. No, no, no. That's beautiful. So simple for the operator, simple for the guest, and the guest can decide what they need and what works for them and interact to the point that they want it, but don't have to. If they don't want it, 
and it's just super seamless for the operator. I think that's awesome. Let's talk about the pop menu platform because it literally is an all-in-one start here and it walks you through this sort of flow. And I think your website does a really good job of taking you through that flow. But for someone who hasn't been to the pop menu website yet, please walk me through starting with, you mentioned 20 years ago, you were designing restaurant websites. <laughs> like that was a yeah. foundational element to this platform. Let's let's talk about everything from web hosting design and build to online ordering and delivery and and the marketing piece and the data capture piece. I mean, it does it all. So take me through start to finish what what is included, what you get and what you need versus what you don't necessarily need right now, but you can use in the future. You know where I'm going with that. Take us through the platform. Yeah. First of all, you did an excellent job of, of summarizing it, so I appreciate oh, that. I mean, okay. <laughs> what was funny, we didn't start with the website. And in fact, I was kind of against yeah. that to start with. I was like, I don't know if we want that responsibility. So we started off, I mean, the menu was the main thing. It's still the main thing for us. And we've had people say, hey, maybe you change your name from Pop Menu because you do so many things. It's like, no, it's at the heart of everything we do. Yep, and right. so we started with this dynamic menu experience where we treat the menu experience kind of the way modern e-com platforms treat you know, their funnel. It's like... You can search and you can view and you can interact with these multiple calls to action and, and all of your decision criteria are in one place. And while that's powerful for allowing the restaurant to put their best foot forward and say, hey, doesn't this make you hungry? <laughs> doesn't this photo and this review you know, make you want to click that reservation or buy button right now? And we started with that. And that is also where we begin capturing data from the consumer. And so preference data, what are they looking at? What are they leaving reviews on? On and on and on. What are they saying they'd like to try, which is a you know functionality that we have? Um, what are they saying they love? And, so, and then right to contact. And so we're, we're capturing preference data, we're capturing contact data. That all happens in the menu. And that is the heart of everything that we do. We, we started off with that as a JavaScript embed where we'd say, hey, take out your PDF and put this code in, or we'll do it for you. Just put this JavaScript in and it'll paint the whole menu experience. But we're not going to touch your website. But then almost instantly we had... 50, 60 clients saying, hey, I love this menu experience. My website's terrible. The nav is bad. I can't get a hold of my cousin to update the website. You know, this WordPress template's been hacked. And so we kind of got drawn into doing the website. And so, which is, you know, it's one of those things like you can overcomplicate it, but the truth is 90% of traffic goes to the menu anyway. So we were already doing a big lift there. Then it's adding the about us and some of the contact forms, stuff like that. So we went from the menu. I think everything emanates out. So the menu... Then we emanated out and put in the website piece. Then we added in marketing tools. And so you're capturing all of this guest information. You're capturing their contact information. Now we're in perfect position to make it so you can just, you know, with a couple of clicks, message that entire database or just let the system message them based on their preferences, based on the actions they've taken, based on the preferences they've, they've expressed. And so next we, we built in a suite of marketing tools and, and, Kind of the, the repeating theme is, hey, we'll take anything where someone is spending a lot of money or a lot of effort to get it done. And it's like, if we can just save one bill, you know, save one login and save five to 10 steps, that's going to be worthwhile. And we just keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that. And so like integrating the marketing, yeah, it's not like there weren't ways you could get emails out or get texts out before or post social, but putting that all in one place and having it very, very, very specific to the restaurant use case just makes it so much more powerful. And so integrated marketing tools, email, like mass email, automated email, targeted email, mass text, um, all of that stuff, social, all got built in. And then we came to COVID and we, we added transactions. And so, you know, two-week period, the team rallied and built online ordering. 
And that was end of March, 2020. And we just, our online ordering transactional business has grown from there. And it being part of this greater whole makes it so, you know, all of it is kind of like a flywheel. It, it just reinforces each aspect of it where it's like, oh, we could tell that this person took these actions, clicked on this campaign, did this thing before they made an order. And then we could tell that our re-engagement of them brought another order. And so having it all in one place brings you the benefit of seeing, this is what it all comes to, is seeing the guest in a really unified way, seeing all the touch points they have with your business, and then orienting offers based on that to get them back as often as possible. And so from there, the thing that we've been working on this year is just kind of closing the loop on guest-facing features. So waitlisting, reservations, and, and actually, one of the things that I've become really passionate about is I've met with restaurant owners and they get up 10 times during the meeting to answer the phone. I'm like, what, <laughs> yeah. who's on the phone? Who keeps calling? Yeah. What is yeah. this? And so over the last year and a half, I have and we have dug into this topic of, of phone calls. So restaurants, one of the only businesses you still call. Part of it's because the data is just so unstructured, you know, that it's difficult to get it to people. Part of that is just habit. You know, people just call. And so we've actually built an automated solution for Really, it's designed to answer questions to keep your staff from having to do that, you know, but it also captures voicemail and puts it right into your pop menu platform. You can see the transcription, you can reply. So it's, again, saving steps, but also keeping you from missing opportunity um, when it comes to potential reservations, private events, stuff like that. So that's so the so the adding the um, adding the waitlisting and the reservations and the AI based phone answering to our current package brings us to Max, which is our all-in-one solution, our highest level product, which is in the process of launching through kind of an exclusive access period right now. And, and our, our existing clients are, are really, they're, they're eating it up. They're signing up quickly. It solves a lot of pain points for them. And they know that we're only going to keep innovating it and making it better going forward. Wow, that's incredible. Let's go back to the menu piece because that seemed okay. like the the you know the focus, the foundational element, and everything sort of evolved from that. And I believe that the marketing, you know, the greatest marketing comes from a menu because every customer, every guest is going to interact and see that menu. So that is the greatest marketing tool that any restaurant really has. You know, regardless of your concept, it's like it's let's your number start one there, sales right? tool, and it's it your, it, it's, yeah. it's honestly the most underutilized asset that restaurants have now. This is something that, you know, um, Pop Menu offer, offers this dynamic interactive tool that allows you to change menus on the fly and update things and, and, and all that and manipulate data. And does it get into the science of, of sales in any way where we teach people? Because there's sort of an art and a science behind great menu design. Because obviously, if you go back to old school menus, your eye first goes here and then it goes there. But now we're talking about looking at menus on a variety of devices and all that sort of thing. Um, take us through that piece and how your, you know, your account team, your dedicated account team works with a new client to put together this really powerful menu tool that really optimizes what they have for sale. Right. Um, I mean, it, it's pretty simple right now in that we just have more tools for featuring an item than you do on a print menu or a, or a text PDF menu. Mm -hmm. And so if we know, you know, we'll, we'll talk to them about what are your most profitable dishes? What are your most popular dishes? You know, what are the dishes that get people in the door? Yeah. And, right. and here are the tools we have to feature them, whether that's positioning, whether that's highlighting, whether that's something on the, on the photo, we have a lot of tools for doing that, but 
but we're also a pretty new startup. And so we've had a lot of ideas we haven't been able to fully execute yet. And that's happening now. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that's interesting is taking this idea of menu optimization to its logical extreme using machine learning and, and the latest in AI data. So we do have a patent that has to do with the presentation of a menu and rearranging the presentation of that menu to optimize it for whomever is looking at it based on the knowledge we have about them. And that could be what, what have they looked at? What have they ordered? What have they reviewed? What have they said they loved? Um, and so we can take all of that data and more and use that to say, I know Roger, he gets a burger every time. We've got this new burger. It's our highest profit item. That's going to the top of the menu. Um, and so it becomes really automated. And then there's all kinds of interesting things you could do. You know, it, 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 if I know that, um, you know, my friend Kathy is vegetarian and it's been proven over and over, you know, through her interactions with, you know, with uh, our clients through Pop Menu, we can just filter out anything that includes meat, you know, and this isn't today, but this is in process. I see. I um, mean, yeah. this is this is the direction we're going. It, it's it's hey, remove allergens, you know, oh, you're you know, you have celiac. And so you want to remove gluten free or remove items that have have gluten. We can make that happen, um, but it can also be preference based. You love spicy dishes. You love dishes that have, you know, huge portions. You love southern fried dishes. We, the system is and will be prioritizing those dishes based on who you are. So I think that's when it gets super, super interesting. And it might sound like overkill. I mean, I wouldn't recommend. You know, that's not going to be the on-prem experience. It's like, hey, tell me a couple of things, and I'm just going to scramble up this menu and give it to you. It's for people who are researching. You know, beforehand, let's let's get them as enticed as possible. Um, but every other business now is doing it, right? Like every other business is making recommendations. Every other business understands their customer really well and is able to match them with the items they're, they're most likely to love. Why not restaurants, you know? And all of that just serves the business and can make it more efficient. You know, if, if we know Roger's coming in, has a plan, knows what he loves, maybe even pre-ordered some of these things, maybe we even suggest pre-ordering them. How much faster, how much more efficient are you? How much quicker are you turning tables while also giving a great hospitality experience? Right on. So I can't think of anything that has been more sort of mission critical during the pandemic for restaurants than online ordering. You know, mm -hmm. when the whole business model shifted and restaurants had to pivot and customers could no longer come into restaurants based on government restrictions and everything went to like, you know, takeout, delivery, curbside, pickup, all that kind of stuff. The online piece was so important. And yeah. you had that as one of the original features like pre-COVID. And you learned so much, I'm guessing, from the whole COVID experience on how to improve the online ordering experience, both for the guest as well as the, the simplicity for the operator. Is is that true? Well, we didn't have it pre-COVID. So it was, oh, it was, in, the road, it was in the roadmap for later. Yeah, but the truth is, we already had all the pieces. We had the web interface, uh -huh. we had the menus. Right. It was just a matter of putting a shopping cart together with some payment processing. But I mean, it happened very, very early in COVID, and most of our clients are independent, you know, uh, single location, and so they weren't for them to be able to turn to to a tool they already have instead of having to go shop for a new one during that period of chaos. Yeah, really was helpful to them. Um, but but it does add a ton of insight when you. I mean, our platform was all about top of funnel. We feel like the, the, the whole consumer facing piece has just been so underserved for restaurants. And so we, everything we were about before COVID was how do we get people into restaurants? Yeah, and so that, that, yeah, that pivot right. to, to off-prem was, it was needed and it was quick. Um, it's been essential to our business. And now having that as part of the whole is huge because like, like, like I'm saying, like 
treating it like a whole funnel. We can see what search terms brought the person to your page. We can see what did they look at before they ended up buying something. We can see you know, all kinds of the full funnel, and then we can use that information to make the ordering more and more powerful. And that's also how you're building repeat business with that data capture. Right. That's awesome. I want to get into the marketing piece in a moment, but before we do, there's also, well, let's talk about online ordering. I mean, a lot of POS companies are not offering that feature, but they're charging Mm -hmm. people on a monthly basis for the feature, you know, and again, that cuts margins on what you're selling and all that sort of thing. So this is included. I understand it's commission free and it's literally a free online ordering you know, function in your platform. That's terrific. Let's talk about the delivery piece because I used to, you know, for 20 years, I had a restaurant and we had a huge, you know, additional revenue stream that came from delivery and very few restaurants look into that piece because it's kind of an onerous task and how all that works. Can you tell us about your delivery feature and how that might, you know, make a restaurant operator's life easier and simpler and (laughs) that revenue stream? Sure. Sure. I mean, one of the one of the things we see that's like uh, I don't want to say it's frustrating. It's like oh man, we got to change that behavior quickly. Is when you link out to the third party platforms from your own website. It's like you got the customer and then you sent them to this platform that's going to charge you a premium, which the premium might make sense if it's attracting new customers to you that you can't reach. But why would you pay it when you already brought them? And I, I don't think people really understand the level of traffic that's coming to restaurant websites. I mean we've. You know, we've had 200 million sessions um, on the sites that are that are you know powered by us. It's not like we have that much of the market, you know. And so you have all this traffic coming. What we offer is a great online you know ordering experience plus delivery with a better economic situation than if it comes through the marketplace. And so we do partner. I mean, you can execute your own delivery, and we put all the tools in to make that happen because a lot of the complexity. Look, having drivers and, and handling the yes. logistics is really, mm-hmm. really difficult. Yes, it is. But also pizza shops, Chinese restaurants, like all kinds of people have solved it for decades, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if you if you already know how to do that, know how to have drivers, know how to make the economy work for that, economies work for that, then it becomes taking the order, communicating with the customer during the order, and making sure the expectations are met correctly. So we have all the tools to do that if you want to execute your own delivery. But also we integrate with DoorDash. And so... It's great because you can, it's just a white label, like like a lot of people do this. It's a white label of the logistics piece because that's the hardest piece, but but you don't have to pay the premium because you brought the customer to the party. And so you bring the customer in, you get the order done, you send off, an, you know, we basically send off a note to DoorDash saying, hey, we have an order. Do you have a driver? You do great. We connect that. They take the logistics from there. And now the economics are much, much, much better for the for the restaurant. All right. And totally. so it's not like it's going to replace yeah. the marketplaces. Yeah. They they have their role, but I think it's just taking some control back and saying, "All right, I don't want to pay 30% on every single order that's off-prem." You know, if you can control even half of that, it's a major economic win for you. But you're also able to access this audience that doesn't want to get up and <laughs> and and come pick it up. Correct. You know? So I think Correct. it's the best of all worlds. I think you're touching on two important details there. One was obviously paying those high delivery fees you know, it became a necessity during COVID to have this, you know, the online third-party delivery platforms and all that, but it cost a tremendous amount off the bottom line. Mm-hmm. But then also those third-party delivery platforms owned your data, but That's now you're part. solving both of those pieces, right? Because you're right, avoiding, right. you know, the high fees, but owning your data is critical because now you have this huge marketing tool at your disposal based on captured information, right? Absolutely. And, and I just think about it like, 
It's your business. Don't let any platform that's separate disintermediate your relationship with your with your customers. Right. Yes, you can use some platforms like people used to use Groupon back in the day to, I mean, maybe they still do. I don't know. But maybe, you know, they would use them to access new customers. Great. Well, then you have to do the hard work of, of forging that direct relationship. So you have the right to contact them again, the right to market them again. And, and that's not what you get through the platforms. And, and, and so, you know, with us, it's you get the benefit of people want to order online. They want that to be a great user experience. Um, they want delivery you know, and, and, and so you're able to give them that, but also you keep that information, you know, Roger, you know, how many times Roger's ordered from you. Now you can elevate your level of hospitality because you know, he's one of your top purchasers. And so maybe you push in an order that keeps him, you know, one of, one of your top, you don't have that choice on any of the platforms. They are controlling the marketing. They're controlling the top of funnel. I think it's a good lead source. You know, but I think if if all of your and this is obvious now, but if all of your off-prem business is through a platform, you're losing. You know, you're you're not going to be able to keep re-engaging those customers, and you're going to have these high commissions that force you to raise the prices, and so that also drives some folks away. All right, we've already talked about the marketing piece with the emails and the texts and the way you can communicate with customers. Let's talk about social media and online reviews. Those things are critically important to restaurants mm-hmm. right now, and tracking those reviews, you've got a tool or a system for that. We actually, it's funny because we kind of undersell this. We don't talk about it a ton, but since day one, we've provided this mechanism for restaurants to capture reviews directly. Truth is people want, you know, to talk about the experience they received with the person who delivered it. The only reason people go on third-party platforms and leave reviews is because it was the only mechanism they had. And, and I can prove that. And I don't have, uh, you know, super like locked in, scaled up data on it, but I've looked at a number of our clients once, once pop menu was live for them. And once there was a direct review mechanism presented to the guests, the, the, the number of reviews being left on third-party sites went down. And so I looked at one client in particular, they had been with us for six months. They had twice as many reviews direct to them as they had on Yelp in 10 years. Well, so that means people want to give, you know, the, the owner they're working with the direct review. And when they do, they're happy, you know, whether it was a bad experience, well, now it's much easier for the restaurant to deal with it. If it was a great experience, great. I'm going to push that to my website and use it to sell further guests, you know, and help future guests plan their meals. So I think that direct capture of reviews, it's huge. And, and just allowing third parties to capture all of your feedback is makes no sense. Like there's no other business that does that, right? Like where all of your feedback is, is captured and seen on a separate, on a separate platform, you know? And, and, and so we just think there's so much power in opening up that feedback loop and we make it really easy in our app to just, you know, our app for owners to just respond to um, reviews. If it's somebody really, really heated, you can take care of it immediately, send them an offer, you know, like just, again, it shortens a bunch of steps when it comes to dealing with them. But then you can also take the great reviews and use those as a marketing tool. And so whether you're, you know, copy and pasting good reviews from a third-party platform and putting them in your site, or you're using something like us, where there's just a direct, a direct feedback loop, either way, using the good ones to promote your business and using the bad ones to make your business better is just, it's a, it's great hospitality. Awesome. We've talked about the simplicity of this platform. Let's talk about the onboarding process and the lead time to be 
press the go button and now we're up and running. What does that look like? How long does it take? Walk me through a typical new client engagement from, okay, I went to the website and I got the demo and I'm totally stoked on this. And now I'm, I'm in. What does it take now to get operational? Yeah, that, that's the part of the process that ends up being the least simple. And we work every day. I mean, multiple times a day, we're working on how do we make it simpler? How do we make it more frictionless? And, and how do we you know, make it less onerous for, for, for the owners that we're working with? It's a challenge. Uh, I, I've said it a million times. These are the busiest people in the world. It's the busiest, most demanding job in the world. It is. Um, if, if you're like, hey, get me your logos and get me your pictures and this and that. And then, you know, oven breaks, uh, order isn't shipped, yep. you know, yep. thousand uh, details doesn't show up. doesn't matter, right? Like, okay, the website's going to wait. Yeah. So the truth is, if you've got all of your assets together, and if mm-hmm. you're ready to engage with the team, I mean, we get people up in two weeks in that case, you know, it's more often like four to six weeks because of those yeah, starts of course. and stops. Stuff you can't just, control, you know, the unexpected in this business is around the next corner all the time. It is, but we're not accepting that. Like we're saying, okay, there, there, there. Let's use technology to figure out other ways. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to tell us all of all of these different details. We'll go find them somewhere online and just automatically pull them in. And so for me, it's on us to figure that out. It's not. I don't want restaurants have to change anything they're doing to onboard with us. It's like it should be so easy That's that they awesome. can fit it into their into their daily life. If they can't, then it's work for us to do. You know, because the truth is. You got a menu, you got logo and photos, you have details like hours, location, and and all the questions that are in Google My Business. We have ways of getting at those. It's just technology starts off super gross and 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 convoluted and a mm-hmm. mess of wires. And it takes a long time to really, really get down to the simple, elegant, frictionless solution. And so we're working hard on that. Um, four to six weeks is still better than most agencies and other solutions, not good enough for us. I mean, we have, we have, during COVID, we, we had some people we spun up the same day, you know, and so it can happen. It's just on a repeated basis for thousands of restaurants, smoothing out all these little friction points is huge. And you have a dedicated account team that helps people get up to speed, right? And they're working with the same people and either before and during, and then after the onboarding process, right? Is it, or is it well, just- Well, we have uh, handoffs. Yeah. So it's- You got a support staff that'll help you with any yeah. issue. Okay, that, gotcha. That, that, that's right, and and you mm-hmm. are working with one person during the onboarding process, so that it's not you know, whole bunch of people, and 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 so again, though we're, that's a balance because because some of our clients will will say, hey, I just want to talk to so and so, you know, over and over and over, and it's like, yeah, but don't you want like a really affordable platform, <laughs> you know, that that brings all of this value to you and keeps getting better without the price going up? Because to of do course. that, we can't just have everybody dedicated, you know, to every restaurant. So just finding that balance is that's part of, I mean, that's our job, you know, is to make it so that the affordability and the level of service are fair and they match. And I'm glad you mentioned fair and price, because I believe that you have one price that's locked in that doesn't change and there's no hidden fees and there's no, you know, behind the scenes, we promised you this. And then you got that. It's like you you pay a one price, right? So as much as possible, we try to keep this just simple, simple, simple. I always appreciated Potbelly Sandwich Company because I didn't just change some, but it used to be you walk in, it's the same price for all the sandwiches. Just pick your sandwich. And and I think small business, especially when it comes to software, just gets assaulted with choice. Here's 50 checkboxes, you know, just to, and I just from the beginning we had we had one product for about two years. We added another level of product, but there wasn't any kind of, you know, bunch of 
check boxes. We are expanding the product set because we do want to, to have options for every single type of restaurant, whether you're like a breakfast counter or whether you're a massive group or whether you're, you know, a single location that's like four or 500 employees. Um, and so now we do have multiple product levels, but one thing is not changing. And that is once you sign up with us, your price is locked in, period. And so, it, you know, it gets complicated if you move to another level of product or whatever it is. Yeah, there are, there are inherent costs in that and that investment level you know, is, is different than this one. But I mean, we have people on our standard pro product who've been with us for four years. They're still paying $89 a month that we started at, but now they've got all this value that wasn't there before. I just believe we don't win and the restaurants don't win by us nickel and diming, like a smaller and smaller group of people who can afford it. We win by getting as many restaurants on as possible and having them stay with us as long as possible. And the market's so huge. It, it doesn't, we don't have to go in and kind of try to lever up every single restaurant, nickel and dime them. I can't stand that. And so that commitment is whatever price you sign for, for that product level, it's staying and we're going to keep building more and more and more value into it. And I just, I just believe that's how software should be done. Ongoing value. That's beautiful. Value added in addition to that locked in price. So you're offering a special deal to Restaurant Rockstar's audience, our listeners, and it's $100 off the first month. And all they have to do is go to popmenu.com slash rockstars. And you, you, know, you also have that free demo that kind of walks you through everything we've talked about today that's also at that URL. So Thanks so much. I totally suggest the demo. Like I, I mean, I love the offer. I, I even if you're not going to sign up, if you're curious, I can't tell you how many times. I mean, it's really, really hard to get a restaurant owner's time, and so I've been, I've been there for the meeting before, especially early days, and and, and owners are sold so much stuff over and over and over. I totally get it. Um, I've seen the face so many times where they know I'm waiting to do the demo, and it's like, man, I really don't want to meet with this guy today. I've got all this other stuff this fire and this literal fire. And, and, and I can't tell you, like, one of my favorite things is, is when someone's face turns from skeptical to, oh, damn, this is not what I expected. And, and I've literally, we're lucky enough that I've never, ever heard somebody, you know, say, hey, that wasn't worth my time, or that wasn't different, or that's the same old thing. Every single person we've ever pitched it to is like, okay, I get it. Even if they didn't sign up, they get it. And so I think, Give it, get, do the demo, see what's in there. We're not hard salespeople, you know, we're just trying to bring something that we think is helpful. Um, and so I, I just, I love seeing people's faces in the demo because it's invariably more than they expected. And now that I just set that expectation high, it's going to be less than they expected. So the demo has been really well thought through and light bulbs are going off and people are getting these eureka moments and they're saying, oh, wow, that's awesome. That's cool. Well, I think the other thing is just we're we're built on empathy. You know, I mean, everybody says it now. It, it, it's really, I can say we empathize because we do talk with customers every single day, minimum half dozen sessions every day. We do have this empathy, but also, although we're technology experts and our team's been doing it for decades, like I can't stand when people come in and try to kind of lord their technology knowledge over somebody who by all means shouldn't have that knowledge. And so it's not just that we're showing a great solution. It's that we're heavy with empathy. We, we've gone through this journey the last few years you know, with all of our clients, and it means a lot to us. And we understand a lot of the pain, even if we're not living it directly. And that comes through in the demo. It's not this, you know, hey, let me show you how we are. Let me show you. Let me give you a bunch of stats that make you think, oh, we're these technology wizards. It's about 
here's how we can help your business. Here's how it looks in the normal, you know, kind of normal digital platform. Here's how it looks with us. And you can draw your own conclusions from that. And so I think that's part of it is just our approach is just let's meet eye to eye and let's not look down like from Silicon Valley and say, uh, oh, here's we we made all this stuff. You don't understand. It's complicated, but take it because it's great. It's just not us. So I think that's another good part of the demo. Right on, Brendan. Hey, we covered a lot of ground today. Is there anything that we missed that uh, you'd like to talk about? I don't know. I talk a lot. There's a lot of long answers to short questions. I'm sure. I'm sure we missed plenty, but but I feel like you know anyone who's listening to this, you know, to get a feel for what Pop Menu is about. I think we've I think we've conveyed that. I think it's all about now. Take a look, you know, and see how we can help you. And hey, we're just thankful. I mean, we started this business. We thought, oh, this is this is a cool idea. And I love food and I love food pictures. Would it be cool as a consumer if we could see menus in this way? And as time's gone on and we've dug in and we've learned so many things that restaurant owners have been through and we like get personally pissed off, you know, at some of those things, whether it's how a, a platform treated them or whether it's how a local technologist treated them. And, and, you know, once COVID hit, it moved from being, Oh, this is a cool idea to this is, this feels essential. And, and we got dozens, maybe hundreds of notes from our clients saying, Hey, thank you. We, we couldn't have navigated this without you or navigated as well without you. That means so much. And for us to be trusted, you know, a trusted partner on this journey during this incredibly difficult time. I mean, that's what powers us. We, we, we feel a deep, you know, kind of humbling and a deep respect uh, for that. And we just appreciate getting to work with such fantastic entrepreneurs. That's excellent. Well, you're performing a great service for the industry and helping people, like I said, transform their business in the post pandemic world. That's fantastic. So once again, I encourage the audience to go to popmenu.com slash rockstars and just check out the free demo. No obligation, of course, but sounds like an awesome experience. Thanks so much, Brendan, for being a great guest. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and we'll see everyone in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Roger. So appreciate you guys listening. You know, as many of you know, I am still in the restaurant business as well. We purchased a restaurant just before the pandemic, and I have gone through just about everything that all of you have gone through. We've pivoted numerous times, and I have to say that uh, when the pandemic hit, we had to close our restaurant for two months. When we reopened, we had to completely reimagine it as a market and a takeout and delivery facility. And I got to tell you, online ordering and delivery was pivotal, as well as being able to change menus on the fly. And, you know, we experimented so much. It's like we had to keep changing our menu. We had to simplify things. And it just wouldn't have been possible without that technology. So thanks to Brendan Sweeney for taking us through what's really important and how ultimately the guests will benefit. If you've got a question again, or a possible idea for a topic, or a guest you'd like to hear, or just a challenge or a pain point you'd like me to answer, don't forget, all you have to do is go to the show notes for this episode on our podcast page at restaurantrockstars.com, and about halfway down the show notes page, you'll see a button that says, Ask Us Anything, and you can simply record a message, and I'll get right back to you. We really appreciate you listening, and if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, and don't forget... Systems are super important in your business to really dial in and transform your operation for the future after this pandemic is over. You can find all those systems at the Restaurant Rockstars Academy at restaurantrockstars.com. Thanks again to Seven Shifts for sponsoring this episode, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.